When you enter a relationship, something new begins to grow. But before you can grow anything new, something else has to die. You. The ancients used to say that we people were like fruit, that we grew as from a seed. In fact, the ancient Greek word for seed was sperma. You and I came from a seed. We are organic. Not just on the surface, not just halfway, but all the way down inside of us. Even at the emotional level, we are people who grow. And so it goes with our connections. This is how to grow a whole family. Now, first off, I lied about the title. So you can do that if you work for free. The real title is Growing a Whole Family, but I didn't want to post that because I don't want anybody fooled into thinking that this is just for married people or parents because this is about all of us. So we're going to start with one-on-one connections and then move to like a group level. And I want to argue that we are all parts of families that we can grow at work, church, friends, your actual family. This is about all of those places because what we're seeking is real family in all of those places. So this series is to tell you a few of the things that I've learned about growing whole families. So there's a million great tidbits of relationship advice. I want to tell you in these episodes the main things that nobody told me. So if you haven't listened to How to Be a Whole Person, this series is going to build upon it. So maybe you should listen to that first. This is not Star Wars. You should actually listen to them in chronological order. Uh, You cannot grow a whole plant without the fruit being whole itself, without you being a whole person. Okay. I was recently tiling a floor and somebody asked me, how did you learn how to do this? And my answer, well, by screwing it up about 15 times. So I think I'm starting to get it now a little bit. The first three times that I planted a garden, almost everything died. Hours and hours of labor, dead. I have killed more fish in my aquarium than I want to talk about. I have made some of the most awful recipes that my kids hated me for cooking. I have said all the wrong things to my wife. I have had mountains of issues with my kids and family and church. So I've learned a couple of things, and that's just what I want to tell you in these episodes. And I want to start here. We are organic. We are like trees. Now, this is a big deal, and metaphors drive so much of our life, the way we see things, and this is very different from the way that our culture sees us. Our culture's primary metaphor for us isn't organic. We are a product of the industrial revolution that has moved into the information revolution that treats us like machines. Okay, so even 50 years ago, we spawned off this dating culture that said you should try people out before you get married to them. Like, go on dates, get to know them, develop some feelings for each other, and see if it's going to work before you commit to buying it. It's like trying out a new car, trying out a machine, and if it doesn't work like you want it to, then take it back, get rid of it, because you want the car that's going to work like you need for your needs. Because if you're just a machine and this relationship is mechanical, then this is very subtle. But it says to us, if you're not performing well for me anymore, if you're not getting me from point A to point B, if you, notice you, keep breaking down and this isn't working, then what else can I do? So we'd try each other out. 
we would grow something between us and then we'd cut it off. We'd uproot it. We'd look for another place to plant our roots. But we didn't just do that with dating. We've done this with our communities. We've done this with our schools. We like start relationships and then just on a whim, we uproot and move. New job, new school, new church, no big deal. We're just shopping for these things like we're trading in and getting a new car. But what we're doing in all of those places really isn't mechanical. It's organic. That's why we use phrases that work that say things like we're putting down roots. Every time you move and put down roots in a new place or with a new person, there is a transplant shock. Like if you're familiar with gardening, you have to know that you can't move a plant often. It will never grow. Like the shock of being put in new surroundings is something that a plant can only handle so many times in its life. And it's something that you and I can only handle so many times in our life. I have moved so many times and I finally said, you know, we can't move again. We're not going to relationally survive if we just break off ourselves again and just try to uproot one more time. It's just too much on the system. So now we have moved past the machine age into an information age that really just took all of that one step further. So what does that look like? Well, we're still machines on one hand. But now we're, we're really information. We've kind of moved like from hardware to software, sort of. And, and what do we do with information all day long as humans? Think about it. We filter it. We filter our emails, our texts, our mail, our information feed. We filter our connections on Tinder or whatever thing you're on. We are now merely information on a screen. Like we've been downgraded from an actual machine to just words and an avatar and a bio on a screen to be filtered for somebody's use. Like, you know, like we do this with your emails, you get like 30 messages or 100 messages, and it's like, hmm, filter, 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 filter. Oh, I'll read that one. That one's personal. It's to me, so I want to read it. Or you're like on match.com or whatever, and you're like, bio, swipe left, bio, swipe left, bio, swipe left, swipe left, swipe left, swipe left. Hmm, maybe. Or Twitter, you're like, scroll, 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 ah, Finally, a good post. I knew I followed that person for a reason, right? And we do this in real life. If somebody just is an object to have something to offer to you, we're going to filter through hundreds or thousands of people before we get to this little nugget of, hmm, I wanted that. That fed me. That was personal. We walk past people, past people, past more people, past more people. We drive past people and walk past more people. And then it's like, ah, that person. I want to talk to them. And then they get annoying and start talking too long and we start looking at our watch. And this can be both good and bad. Because on one hand we've understood that like we only really want to lay down roots where it matters with the right people in the right places And we don't want to get way in like we did in in a generation ago. And then if it's not going to work, so like that's a good thing. But on the other hand, if we're not careful, we stand the risk of everyone just being an object or something to feed me. And we stand the risk of never laying down roots with anyone anywhere because our standards are impossibly high. 
Like we, you ever find the irony of this? We have a hundred job opportunities to filter through, and it seems like maybe there's like there's not even one that we can that we even want or are satisfied by. And then on the other side of that, like the the one job that you want, there's like a supervisor or a boss there that's filtering through a hundred resumes, and they're sitting here going, you know, there's not even a single person in here that's actually going to do this. Isn't that so ironic? Because we have so much to filter through, and it's like, well, we can't ever get the right person, the right thing for us. We can choose any town in the U.S. to live in. We have a thousand matches on our dating apps, and we can look at all of those choices, and it can be paralyzing, and we can never grow together with people anywhere or when we do, we hit our first bump in the road, the honeymoon's over, it gets dirty and you get into that phase of life where things start to get hard and then we automatically can revert back to the other thousand choices in our head and we can live with regret like, oh, I chose this? What was I thinking? There had to have been better options out there. But ladies and gentlemen, we aren't machines and we aren't data. We are alive. We come from seeds. Now, I want to take you through the seed life, which is our life. So a fruit falls off the tree that it is born from. It releases its lifelong attachment with its parent tree. It undergoes a death as it rots on the ground. And this is not easy if you're a fruit. Are you following me? Life got sweeter and sweeter for you, and everything was about you until the day that the fruit's not in college anymore, and the fruit detaches and falls to the ground, and it moves from a place of receiving life to the challenge of giving life. Like, that's a lonely and sometimes terrifying moment when you're lying on the ground all alone, and the sweetness of your past life is just rotting and turning to mush. The fruit lying there on the ground feeling detached and lonely, it's like wondering about the life ahead, like, am I going to make it? You've been in that spot. Now begins the arduous and painful and often lonely task of producing life instead of being in that position where you think all of life just existed to feed you and make your life sweet. Like now it's time to give back to the world they gave to you. But here's the secret. This is actually true life when you get to give and produce life that's the mystery of it like that fruit's been fed enough and it's time to let go and trust that whatever it was that was created within you from your parent tree now has the ability and the power to give life instead of take it and it's only after the death and the seeds burial in the ground that something new can spring up resurrection life and this is like our relationships the only way that you make more of a life that you've been given is to die to that life allow yourself to break away from the things that were holding you on that you were attached to in the past from your parents fall get bruised and die and i'm not just talking to 20 somethings Like some of us are in our 70s and 80s and our parents are still controlling us from the grave because we haven't let go of their control on us and explored our own identity and our own story for our life that was given to us by them but is not exactly their story.
How many people do you know who are still living as if attached to old relationships long after their time to break away and leave home and start something new? So, you fall from the tree, you rot, you undergo a death, and then you're buried and everything that's not a part of your core is like eaten away by bacteria and it gives life to its surroundings, but not all of you dies. There's something within you that stays alive that's going to be the thing that causes new life to spring up. It's your core, your DNA that lasts. Your unique identity becomes the greatest gift to the world, really the only gift to the world that you can give. And if your relationships aren't springing out of a healthy identity, you can't grow whole relationships. A tree doesn't grow from your rotten, sugary, dead mess that you were so proud of back in college. It grows from a seed. You know somebody that fakes it? right who tries to live and sort of offers up to the world the life that they have but it's not really them they've got a plastic face and a nervous laugh pretend we call those layers like that coworker whose life is maybe a mess but they dress the part and they drive the nice car and it seems like on the outside they have everything in order and you're like no 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 there's something kind of off here going on down under the surface yeah that stuff it's going to have to die. It's going to have to rot away if that's what's currently given them or given you life. Because true life, the only life that you will find, must be born from knowing your unique name and who you are or it won't last. So if you've been married for longer than a year, you know what I'm talking about. All of the pretense either rots away or it gets in the way and becomes a really really big problem for your relationship for a relationship to be successful you have to go into it completely naked that's right that's why so many of the ancients consistently celebrated marriage with a consummation like sometimes downright awkward, everybody's standing outside the tent waiting on you to. Because if you don't start your relationship naked with no pretense, with everything else having rotted away, that stuff may still die away, but it's going to be ugly. So much of your former old rotting life that used to feed you is now just going to get in the way and threaten. But the best relationships start naked. There's a tweet, but don't. <laughs> Today, the average Westerner has had sex with about seven people. Like, we often think that we're a monogamous species, but humans, on average, we aren't really much more monogamous than most mammals. The Magellanic penguin has us beat by a landslide, okay? Do you find it interesting that as a Western 21st century culture, we are getting naked with more people than ever at any point in recent history all while getting naked with fewer people than ever. Do you think that our outward expressions of nakedness and intimacy and union with other people and our striving for that may just be an outgrowth of our lack of true nakedness and intimacy and acceptance within our relationships and family? So point number one, start naked. 
And if you've already started there and there's this funky layer of pretense, I can't go any further to help you until you get naked. All right, it's time. I know this is so awkward. Turn off the podcast and go tell your wife what you have never told her because nothing else I tell you from here on can do any good if your life is full of pretense BS that's smothering your identity. Okay, so welcome back, by the way, if you just did that. (laughs) Um, Listen, I remember very well the day that I was standing in the garage working when something spoke within me, and this helped change the course of my life and relationship. It said, Seth, you need to be 100% honest with Beth. Not 95%, not 99%, 100%. And that number is frightening. Now, some of you are not married, so who is the person or the two people in your life that you need to be 100% honest with? I'm sad to say, like, I'm meeting people who've never had somebody, but everybody should have someone, and you need to find them. Really, it should be your parents if you're younger. We have a culture that says we're supposed to go through this shady period of our life where we just have to hide things from our parents and we just put on a show, but that's not actually how healthy humans work. It's how I did it, but it's not how healthy humans work. I can't tell you anything else in this whole series that's going to help your closest relationships if you aren't ready and willing to reveal everything to those closest to you who are in your inner, inner circle. And here's, here's what you need to know. You can't stand to live too long of a period of your life where you are unknown, where you learn to hide and stuff stuff. It is killing you. I know it's in the air we breathe. Our culture's norms tell us to begin emotionally disconnecting from our parents at around like age maybe 10 to 13. And and that number keeps getting younger. It's like, well, you're supposed to go through this phase where you just hide stuff from your parents. And, And then you marry someone. And if you do that, then it's like in your 30s, if ever, we keep pushing that one, you know, older and older. And you may not get married, but... Who is the person that you're going to be fully known by? Because if the answer is no one, you're going to emotionally damage yourself, and it's not something that you should take lightly. Let me tell you something about gardening. Most seeds, if you leave them in your cabinets too long, they won't grow. You, you cannot leave yourself emotionally detached from being known for an entire subset of your life. That would, would be like your emotional and spiritual death like the clock is ticking when the apple falls to the ground that that seed within it has a store of food that's going to help it grow at the right time but it's just enough food to get it to the point where its leaves are in the light again because that's the place where plants and people are designed to get their life from the light it's where you're seen and known and loved 100% of you. And here's the crazy thing. When I say 100%, like if you would have asked me 10 years ago, does your wife know everything about you? I would have been like, sure, yeah, she knows everything about me. Do you hide stuff from your wife? I would have been like, no, no, no. But if you would have found that thing or those things that I was hiding from her and you said, have you told her about these things? And I would have been like, oh, well, no. I mean, like, I couldn't say that because like if I said that then that would like hurt her feelings or she would like want to leave me or something like that and so we have this really weird trick in our brain and you're going to have to explore and listen to yourself is there something that you're hiding from the people closest to you what 
and come on with it. Just get it out there, whatever the cost. Guess what? Erickson's stages of psychosocial development. Maybe you learned about these in college. They're like an industry standard, and uh, if you had a, a major sort of like mine, you probably studied these. Each stage of our life is sort of like a battle, and you don't flourish in the next stage until the stages before it are healthily accomplished and dealt with. So like if you're growing through the stages, you have to get to find some sort of peace or success in one stage before you ever move on to the next. And even though your body gets older, you're going to have to go back and find peace in those prior stages before you can actually healthily develop through the stage that you're going to be in. But guess what stage happens between the ages of 13 and 21? Identity versus role confusion. These are the years that the human brain is trying to find its identity by leaving one place while, where we're fully known and clinging to the next. It's like being a fruit, uh, pulling the energy from its parent, dying, rotting, and getting its own leaves into the light. It's supposed to be happening during a phase in our life. And, and again, you don't have to get married, but you really don't have to get married when you're in your teens. But, but you cannot live a life because we're not designed to live that way where you're not fully known for a long, long period of your, of your life. You need somebody to know the real you. So like so many of us, 42% I read, are experiencing chronic loneliness. And you may say, Seth, like, I don't have anybody to be fully known by. I'm in this place in life where there is nobody for whatever reason. And, and here's, here's what I would say. Number one, I've heard these stories. I know it's hard. And there are so many people who really legitimately feel like there's no one around. I've got nothing for you but this. If you're lost in a desert, a hundred miles from anywhere and you're broken down and can't get somewhere and it's 110 degrees and there's no shade are you going to waste your time watching movies doing your makeup like just gonna sit down and write in a journal and exercise for a little while you're gonna you're gonna get on your phone and play angry birds no, you're going to look for some water and you better because that's number one and everything else takes a back seat until you get water. Like deep relationships are number one and you better find one or two. I got nothing else for you. There are seven and a half billion people on planet earth. So don't lie to yourself. There's somebody out there who will be your friend. Go make a friend. Better yet, Call somebody and resurrect an old relationship. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to say because like, maybe you're thinking, well, it's too late. I've royally screwed this up. I've waited too long. I'm emotionally damaged and now I'm just this rotting seed or whatever. Listen, even though you may have had damage that you can go back and work through, let me tell you, and I'm going to talk about this more, but there is so much hope for the future of anybody I believe in that but don't take it lightly like it's time to be fully known whatever's keeping you from being totally transparent to the people around you is it worth it be fully known okay moving on to the next movement here so number one seeds start naked number two once you're naked and known you have to empty yourself to become a giver so a relationship 
It's a place where when you're fully known, you're transformed from that person who takes life to a person who gives life. And this is what defines you. You're a life giver. So people used to say that relationship was 50-50. It's not. There's no such thing as 50-50. If you must have a number to satisfy you, just go with 0-100. I die to give life to somebody else. Now, that may sound terrible. That may sound like, whoa, 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 what about boundaries and all these issues? Listen, if you realize that you're a plant that's taken off on its own, your relationship is actually going to give life back to you. There's a, there's a game of trust in there. I empty myself fully for this other person, and somehow the joy of doing that fills me up. Now, th- this is a short point. It's the most important thing that I can say to most of us because some of us have been in relationships that uh, as a grown-up for 20 years and we're still walking around thinking that our spouse exists to please us. You never made it healthily through identity versus role confusion if you think that other people exist to please you. There's way too many of that uh, out there. A whole relationship requires a whole you growing out of the identity that you were given by your story. And if you are bothered by the fact that you're giving so much to someone else, then there's still issues that you need to get rid of and things that you need to get out of the way that is clouding everything that you see. So uh, if, you, if you can't control this part and that drives you crazy, you hadn't fully died to yourself yet, and I would invite you to explore some of the ways that you haven't. Because it's a joy to give life instead of take it, all right? So everything that I say in this podcast, it's just for you and for me. So like if it's tempting you to be like, oh, I'm going to forward this to somebody else because this might fix them. Or if you do that with whatever sermons, articles, whatever you forward that to other people, just put it down, walk away. Because the only way that you're going to be able to fix others is by dying to ourselves, by fixing ourselves. Whenever you fix yourself, suddenly you live at so much peace with other people that you have no desire to control them or fix them because you know how to love them and listen to them just the way they are, and you see beauty in that. And that, ironically, is what actually fixes them because now you're in a place where you can be to them what we all have needed all along. You are being to them in your peace-filled, non-controlling new way of living where you just see them and you just listen to them and you just hurt with your friend and you just let you just let grace take over and give them acceptance and empathy and love. You're giving them what actually gives them life. It's the gift of being fully known without judgment. And when you give that to them, you're going to be allowing them the freedom to grow into their own identity. You got judgment, criticism. It's going to kill any seed trying to burst out into the light. If you're accusing people, if you can give them the freedom to just be them, And they may have more life, and one day you might actually get some of that in return. But that's not why you do it. You do it because you are, by your nature, a producer that joyfully gives life. And when you do that to other people, you'll see that they'll grow up, but something else will too. And here's where the magic of relationship happens. Third move, okay? When two people, whole people, 
enter a relationship and the more they grow whole, the new thing, a third plant, grows. So there's you, there's them, and then something new grows between you that is unseen. Your relationship itself. It's a connection. Sort of like a rope, but it's like a living rope. It's like a living bridge. And the fact that it's living has so many implications that I'm going to go into next episode. It means that it can be wounded or killed or it could be stressed or it could be thriving. You hear people talk about our relationship is dying out or our relationship is really alive because it's organic. So you remember this scene in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Um, Yes, I watched it. Um, (laughs) It's where Kate Hudson is trying to act so crazy that She'll get Matthew McConaughey to dump her. And so she gets him like a love fern. And it's like, oh, honey, this is us right here. This is our love fern. It's our relationship. See, your relationship is a plant. It, it's something else more than just the two of you. But here's the deal. It's more like a vine. It's connected to you. It's actually an outgrowth of you. There's an attachment here. So there's you, there's them, and then there's somehow it's more than just you and them. It's its own organic producer of life. It's a third party. And it is not just a machine. Like It's not just facts and figures that we often get in disagreements about like we've been dating for six months or he he gave me roses four different times and took me out once a week or she cost the company twelve hundred dollars with that mistake we're going to write up and i've celebrated christmas with them for 25 years now and you've only done the dishes twice this week and she said what in that meeting see we get so caught up on the facts and the figures in the surface level and we argue about those things and get fixated on those and it's why so So many relationships are stuck, and it isn't that way in reality because we're not machines that, like, if you can figure out what's wrong over here, that you can fix this logical error and reprogram it and make it better. Notice the error is always going to be with the other person, right? (laughs) Arguments and squabbles almost invariably center around those facts and reasons and logic-based things, but we aren't machines. We are emotional people with personal, organic, heart-level connections, and that's what's really going on in your tiff. And this is a good thing. In Meghalaya, India, this is like the wettest place on earth. They get like over a hundred inches of rain a year. And it's like mountainous and the creeks become raging rivers and they shut off villages uh, from each other. And so the local villagers have had to have a way to connect. Now, if you haven't seen this, you you got to go Google this. This is amazing. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So like they could build bridges like we do, but they would get washed away in all of the torrents. So like hundreds of years ago, they began to direct tree roots towards one another. Like, I'm imagining in my head the foresight that that took. But they would teach their kids how to weave roots from generation to generation. And their kids would teach their kids how to weave roots to make ropes out of them from both sides of a creek toward one another. And eventually, when the roots grow long enough, they connected they connect them together and they make 
a bridge and these are some of the coolest bridges and they are the local villagers like highway bridges now they are beautiful and they are strong and they hold up through the monsoons because they were made from the work of intentional connection from two trees that were both fully alive and fully grounded in their own right being connected and growing intertwined together to where now you can't hardly tell a difference between the trees and the third party the villagers did this long slow transforming work of growing their roots toward one another and connecting them and now they're so strong they can provide a use for the world and make the world a better place you contrast that with us uh, our machine world we kill trees we cut them into little bitty pieces and we reassemble them into a bridge just like the one that we want and we're imagining in our head just like we want them to look and then we put them up and then they rot but our Indian friends those organic bridges they just they could be hundreds of years old and they're getting stronger and stronger as time goes on this is the magic of whenever we grow together and toward one another and I know it sounds crazy but I believe in a third party I believe in some divine something bigger than us that in any intentional relationship can come along and weave us together slowly over time there's you there's them and there's the connection between you that's mysterious a trinity okay so I want to spend the rest of the podcast giving you implications of everything I said I want to get out of metaphor land now and just talk about some practical insights because once you realize your relationships are organic it changes some things okay so here we go just a few I'm gonna list them off number one you can't just throw away relationships like yes you you can cut people off but when you do that it's like cutting a part of you that's alive like we we should plan and be more intentional and some people do need to be cut off but once you're really far in sometimes it's so much that's grown there you just need to raise it to be what it can because if you cut it it's gonna damage it it's gonna damage you it's gonna damage them it's gonna damage everything alright second thing I would say there is no undo button you cannot control Z some comment that you made uh, you can't you can't take out a whole part of your life and pretend like it didn't exist there's always gonna be a wound there's always gonna be a scar there's always gonna be something there whenever you cut out parts of your life sometimes we need to cut out necessary parts of our life but you don't need to do it just lightly thinking that it's not gonna matter one day or that you can brush over it or cover it up because it's gonna take healing and a process of regrowth every time we do something that hurts someone so it should really cause us to think about our words before they come out number three the earlier in your relationship that the damage or the trauma is done the more it's going to affect the long-term trajectory and health of the relationship 
like you you know this is true with babies and attachment okay so like the most important time for a, a person's health is in the womb and then it gets like exponentially less important as the baby grows but boy the womb in year one that really shapes a person's life for the rest of their life and so it happens with your relationship when you first fall in love, when you first enter in, when you first meet them, when you walk in and get your first impression at the interview, that's where so much happens when the relationship first starts. And if you do something wrong there, you need to know about it so that you can address it. Uh, Beth and I were about 12 years in when we were going through a lot of talking and counseling and we were getting back to some of the places where our relationship got off because it became obvious to us that we had been going in cycles and there was some dysfunction that just kept happening and it existed and it had been happening from the very beginning. And, and if we were ever going to be able to move forward, we were going to have to go back to the beginning and be honest about those things and get healing and acceptance and grace for those things and say how we really felt at that time that we didn't have the ability to say or didn't have the courage to say at that time. All of the ways that we felt that we had covered over 12 years ago or 15 or 15 years before that or whenever we first met, all of those things that we had not communicated well and all of those emotions that were going on at that time were still buried in there and they were never going to be healed until they came out into the light until we just said it to each other. This is how I felt. This is what happened. This is what I should have done and this is what I wanted to do back then but I didn't do it because I was covering up. Because you can't fix the wounds that you inflict early on in a relationship by just changing your attitude. It's not that simple. It's not like, well, that's behind us now, so we'll just kind of pretend like that didn't happen since that's behind us. Why can't you just get over it? It's not that simple because it's still buried there. And your relationship has grown awkwardly out of a stunting of the growth or some sort of deformity that began in the very beginning. And the closer it was to the beginning, the more it might have had an impact. So you may be 30 years into a marriage and there may be still something that happened in year one that's having a huge impact that you may need to go back and address with your spouse. So be kind to everybody. If you're starting a relationship, if you really love her, ask her out or don't. <laughs> if you are pursuing it, throw everything you can into it. it. Start your relationships on the best foot possible. And if you know this is a long-term relationship going in, do everything you can from the, out, from the very beginning. Just like a pregnant lady would take prenatal vitamins and take really good care of her baby, you need to start relationships by taking really good care of them from the beginning. If you are in a relationship where you're already committed and it's funky, the good news is, is even though it may have been deformed and you may have twigs growing out every which way, almost anything can heal if you get it out into the light. It's better not to create the wounds in the first place, but there are so much hope for all of us that may already have them. Okay, Number four, you cannot not grow in a relationship that is impossible. You are constantly growing in relationship with any interaction that you have. I know people who have been in the try it out phase 
for like four years as if they could just give the relationship a little while and then if it doesn't work out, they could just pretend like it didn't happen and cut it off, right? And, and there's, this, there's this weird thing that we do where we're like, well, you know, we're going to wait eight years until we all get out of college and then we'll get married or we're just going to like sort of put this little agreement on hold for a little while. But you know what happens in the meantime? You move forward. Life moves on. You constantly grow into new things. The more you interact with someone that you're interested in, the more you're going to grow together and you can't put the hold button on it. So just by virtue of you being together, that means you are growing. And that brings us to number five. You will always grow in a direction. And this one is so profound. You're going to grow toward that thing that you give your attention to. You're going to be shaped like it. This is why, like, you know, you, you all know, like, a crazy relative that goes all Fox News on you at Thanksgiving and stuff. That's how he got so crazy because he's been in the Fox News bubble growing towards Fox News for 15 years now. We're going to grow toward the things that we give our attention to. And we were made to grow towards each other like living bridges. And I know I'm swimming against culture on this one. Ours is a culture that says that like truth is out there somewhere and beware of getting your truth too much from the people closest to us and getting too intertwined with them because like, you know, they've got it jacked up and you can only trust truth if it comes from the news or a textbook or the most popular thing on Twitter. So resist getting too attached to the people closest to you because they don't know what's best for you. And I have often felt so sad when lonely people say things like I've read it over and over again social media feeds and articles that says like if you believe XYZ there's no way I could be friends with you because I don't believe in killing babies or whatever the political issue is at the time and they have drank the Kool-Aid of the culture and attached themselves to what they perceive as the truth even at the expense of the thing that we all need that leads us into greater truth which is the life given by relationship because we're going to be blind to the truth if we're not in a state where we're fully known and fully loved and we will sacrifice the fully known and fully loved in order to try to be objective even though we'll be less objective and create more of a liar out of ourselves in the process, more of a fake. It does no good to love everybody out there or to love everybody in general if you don't love somebody in particular right here. Grow towards somebody. Growing towards somebody requires that by our nature, we die to some other things because you can't grow in the direction of all 876 friends on your Facebook feed. Isn't it beautiful when you meet an old couple uh, or some older people who are, they just seem joyful and thriving and they don't care about the latest thing on BuzzFeed or uh, whatever you youngins are (laughs) into now. They may be totally ignorant about the national conversation on politics or whatever and and that's okay. I, I promise, even if they vote, it's okay. Um, because it's just beautiful when people are growing together towards each other, when they belong in a healthy context with a life-given relationship. And it is possible, and it is healthy, and it is natural to both grow towards someone else over time, which means that you're growing away from others and still growing toward 
the light together. A study was done from the University of Michigan called Convergence in the Physical Appearance of Spouses, and it analyzed the photographs of faces from couples over 25 years, and it found that the longer people stayed married, the more they began to physically look like each other. So for some of you, you're in trouble, right? They say that this phenomenon most likely results from the fact that we've been subconsciously mimicking each other's facial expressions for decades. And the study also said that the more happy the couple was and the more healthy their relationship was, the more they grew to look physically like each other, which should not surprise us. Because there, there was another study that was done this one by John Gottman, and it tracked newlyweds for six years, and, and they watched couples make emotional bids for connection. Now, that can be like any time that you ask for your spouse's attention. Say, like, you've got this thing on your mind. We do this dozens of times a day. Like, you've got this thing on your mind that you want to talk about, and you sort of mention it and throw it out there, and then they have the choice to sort of blow it off or to turn into you and to listen to you. Or you disagree with them and, and, and you're just drawn to that attention and you're thinking maybe we should talk about this. Or you want to tell them a story or you reach out to hold their hand or you send them a text. These are called emotional bids. It's like whenever you're asking for this little snippet of connection between you and them, you want them to listen and understand right so he tracked these couples down he watched them do emotional bids when they were newlyweds and tracked them down six years later couples who had stayed married did this when they were newlyweds they were physically turning their faces toward one another during an emotional bid 86 percent of the time but the couples who divorced even as newlyweds they were only turning their face toward one another 33% of the time that an emotional bid took place. You want to stay in a relationship longer and be healthier? Look at them. Turn off your screen. Turn off everything else around you and look at each other. And it makes me really sad whenever I see couples that are struggling and stressed and straining and they're looking every direction but at each other. Whenever we have friends that are bickering and fighting, whenever we have uh, organizations and churches and companies that are falling apart because everybody's divided off into their own world, they're off in their own little internet bubble, and they're off on their screens and on their phones, and they're being shaped, and they're growing in all the directions away from the people around them, and they're willingly growing and growing and growing that direction for years, and then one day they wake up and they say, well, we just feel like we've grown apart like we don't love it. Well, of course you've grown apart. Like, just look at them. See, there's a physicality to everything that begins in our core. Everything that, uh, that grows from the inside of us is going to grow until it's seen on the outside. So turn your face toward the people that matter the most and turn away from the people that don't matter as much, who are further away. And over time, you're going to grow together into a living bridge that provides something useful for the world. This is not just for married couples. This is all relationships. Kids, parents, that crazy uncle that you see at Christmas, you got to die to the others and grow together with them. This is how to grow a whole relationship.
So the sixth and last thing that I would say is that if you stay connected, no matter how hard it gets, life is possible. Uh, I grew a pepper plant one time in my flower bed with banana peppers and I'm used to this pattern. I grow a garden in the spring and then summertime goes and it comes and I'm a teacher and so a lot of times we'd leave for the vacation and stuff and by like late June whenever you leave to go pretty much everything is dying even if it's the summer plant and I would just kind of give up on it at that time. We went on vacation. It was June in Texas and I was just assuming and whenever we got back it was going to be dead and okay three weeks without water there's this pepper plant this banana peppers, it is not making it. And we came back, and old Peppy, that was his name, uh, I thought he was completely dead. There, He was out back by my building. I walked out there, and there was this little twig sticking out of the ground, and all of the leaves and everything had fallen off of him. And there was just a little stick sticking out of the ground. And it had, it was brown, but it had a tiny little tint of green in it. It was July by then. It was in the hundreds. He was like a crispy critter. And so I just was watering the flower bed, and I went ahead and watered him, too, just for kicks. And a week went by, and he sprouted a leaf, and then a few. And by August, Peppy was a plant again. And he started putting out peppers and peppers and more peppers. I got over 60 peppers off this one plant. I've never seen anything like it. Some plants are worth more than you giving up on. And some plants, when you think they're totally, totally dead, have so much potential for life in them. My grandparents were married for 62 years before my grandfather died. They had some really hard times early on that included abuse and alcoholism and no telling what other sorts of things that they didn't care to share or nobody knew about. Even at an old age and 60 years in, they were not the sweet old married couple that just loved each other. They argued sometimes like a cat and dog. I mean, he would literally sit in the front seat and dr uh, of the car and drive and then she would sit in the back seat or they would swap on the way to church because they didn't want to argue on the way to church and they would get along most of the time and they took care of each other they would argue so much and and what I knew from that was that 60 years in even though it was ugly and even though there was hurt and even though there was trauma, and even though, like, gosh, I'm trying to imagine doing therapy on this, there was mountains and mountains of issue that they that they needed help for, that they needed to go back and revisit before if they were ever going to be healthy. And even through all of that, they're simply being in the same house and in the same car together and not giving up on each other taught me that at least there's still a chance. Unfortunately, that never happened with them. Some people will go to the grave, but even till the day that they died, they taught me the lesson that if you stay connected and you don't give up on that connection, anything can be possible because there is hope that you can change. We believe in transformation of people and you don't give up on the people that you love the most. When you turn towards each other and you leave your commitment in place, anything's possible and that's not just true for marriages it's true for our friendships it's true for businesses and workers and that employee that you want to give up on because we're humans and humans can change and humans can transform and if you've given up on somebody else if you've given up hope that they can change I wonder if you really have just given up hope that you can change
Dan Siegel is a famous neuropsychologist, and he tells the story of doing therapy with a 92-year-old man in his office, and they did it for months, and when they, when they revisited some old thought patterns, and they started making him, they started identifying ways that he wasn't using his brain and emotions that he hasn't explored, and they started making him use the half of his brain that he hadn't, hadn't really worked a whole lot before. And he said this 92-year-old man became, began to come alive and his wife began to talk about the difference and the change that she had never seen anything like this in all of their years of marriage. And Dan just said this as the scientist. He said, no matter how old you are, neuroplasticity is possible people can deeply change in the spiritual world we use the word transformation stay connected to the ones that you that matter most to you and anything is possible if you believe in resurrection so let me recap number one start naked number two you're here to die to yourself and give you're not a taker anymore number three you are not a machine and, and then uh, some implications of this number one you can't just throw away relationships number two there's no undo button number three the earlier on that there's trauma and damage done the more you need to pay attention to it and explore it and and heal that number four you cannot not grow in relationship number five you're always going to be growing in a direction and number six don't ever give up on connection with the people that matter the most this is how to grow a whole relationship. Okay, next up, we're going to do space and reflection. My plan is to hopefully get progressively more helpful after some groundwork is laid. So I hope that happens. Uh, foundations are really important, even though they're boring. So we had to do this episode first, but I'm coming back. I'll be dropping the next one next week. I love you guys. Glad you listened. Let me know if you're tuning in.